Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of This Week in Hockey. A happy Wednesday night. Alex Ferrario with you, along with my good buddy Joe Vitale, as the Blues are off tonight and get set for another team that's not the Arizona Coyotes. How about that, Joe? We have finally made it out of Groundhog's Day. Oh, my gosh. It's like Christmas came early. I'm just so <laughs> excited to see the Coyotes anymore. I think, the, you know, Alex, truthfully, the fans are, we are, this Blues team is too. I mean, that game the other day, that, that's about as uh, benign of a hockey game as you're going to see. Yeah. And even some of the players said it after the game. They were just, they were kind of beyond themselves and exhausted from seeing the same group of guys, the same matchups. And I'm, I'm really happy that this team can officially now move on. We got some big Californian teams coming up. Yeah, and some big ones exactly because these guys have been playing well. San Jose's at the bottom of the leagues right now, um, or the division, I should say, but still playing a very solid style of hockey. And then the Anaheim Ducks and LA Kings both are being uh, kept alive by their goaltenders play. So you start with San Jose on Thursday and get those names like Burns and Carlson, Evander Kane, Logan Couture. So we'll talk a lot about that as we move Long, but Joe, I want to I want to stick to just the Blues right now and focus in on this series. You know, they they win three of the four. Arizona gets the best of them, but after this series wrapped up, I don't think I'm sitting here thinking, boy, things are not right for the Blues. If anything, it's the complete opposite for me. I feel like the Blues are trending in the direction that they're wanting to get to, to where they're they're finding that identity, that style of hockey that they want to play. Yeah, I think they're definitely building upon something. I mean, even the game they lost, uh, President's Day afternoon, you know, it was such a vanilla game where I think there weren't a lot of chances either way. I mean, look, we should have taken at least a point out of that game. I mean, that goal that went in past Jordan Bennington, he has that 99 yeah. times out of 100. You know what I mean? He knows that. So it's just a fluky bounce, and the Blues can't really generate anything offensively. The Arizona did a great job tightening things up and giving the Blues nothing. But so you put that game aside. Look at the three before that. I love the way that the team is trending. I love this this resurgence of energy from this third and fourth lines, guys that were put in because of injuries. You know, we mentioned the injury bug and how it's going to affect this team. Well, I think it's affected them a little bit. But on the flip side, I look at these young, energetic guys like Mackenzie McEachern and Jacob Della Rose, uh, Austin Pagansi, guys that have come in, Alex, and I think they have really filled those roles very well. And, and to some regard, in some respect, I think these players are actually better at, at, at some situations of actually – giving the blues that identity that made them so successful back in 2019. You know, you look at, you look at players like Tyler Bozak, right. And Jaden Schwartz guys that are kind of starting to get up there in age, Alexander Steen, who's not with us anymore, but those kind of players that maybe couldn't keep up quite as much as they did when they were in 2019. And, and it's no disrespect to them. It's just that their age and the way, the way things kind of pan out. So if you want to play that fast, aggressive poor checking style that made this blues team so successful, sometimes a new, a new switch of personnel, like what we've seen through injuries over the last four or five games, sometimes that can really help you. And I agree with you. I know that the record doesn't show it, but I love the way this Blues team has trended over the last four to five games. Yeah, and that's my biggest thing. I mean, even that game on President's Day, Joe, I mean, yes, they lost, and yes, that came from a goal that Bennington would tell you he wants back, but I loved the forecheck from the Blues. I loved the pressure that they put on Darcy Kemper. It just came down to them not making it difficult enough on the goaltender, but defensively, I loved that aspect of the game, too, because if you look at it, I, I mean, look, that, that line has made you pay this series, without question, but defensively, you held a Arizona to 19 shots through three periods with four power plays defensively that's an impressive feat and on top of that you were without Tory Krug and Marco Scandella in the game yeah keep in mind we still don't have a healthy Colton Pareko he yeah. has a 
he has an injury uh, that is just kind of starting to continue to nag him. It's something that he certainly can play through. But but to your point about having uh, pieces on the back end that aren't quite necessarily there, but the Blues certainly have done a good job shutting down. You know, you, you brought up a really good point there, Alex, which I think is a huge takeaway from this series, something that I think the Blues are really going to look at moving forward. And I think it could be a great learning lesson, and you really hope that the learning curve comes quicker rather than later. And that is how they did shutting down a top line. You know, they really struggled against the Arizona top line of Garland, Clayton Keller, and um, who's the other goofball in the middle there? Um, uh, Nick Schmaltz. Oh, oh, Nick Schmaltz. Yeah. So Schmaltz, Keller, and Garland, I mean, they they were just running crazy against the Blues. Now, what did the Blues do wrong that they could have really improved on, Alex? I think they shot themselves in the foot a lot, and they were not responsible with the puck when they saw this first line out there. You know, a lot of the success that this first line had for Arizona that I saw over the last you know week and a half, two weeks, whatever it's been, was because the Blues were lackadaisical and sloppy with the puck in their own D zone. Yeah. You know, whether it be a turnover, a chip off the wall that gets blocked by Schmaltz and turns it over to Keller, a pass going east-west from from Falk, let's say, to Oscar Sundquist that gets picked off by Garland, and then he starts to go to work in the offensive zone. Curbs and I were talking about in the broadcast, and it's called, uh, you know, uh, line line awareness, right? You got to have line awareness when you're, the, when you're on the ice. So for the Blues, when they saw that they were out there, sometimes it's not necessarily about making that perfect play. Sometimes it's just about making that simple play and mm-hmm. just getting it out of the zone and learning how to defend by making these teams and these players play in their own zone or, or at least just kind of mix it up in the neutral zone. That'll really frustrate them. I promise you one thing, Alex, and you know this better than anyone, if the Blues are as lackadaisical with the puck at times as they were with this Arizona top line, if you do that against Vegas, if you do that against the Pacioretty line in Vegas, if you do that, God forbid, against the McKinnon line in Colorado, listen, you're not losing these games one nothing. You're losing these games six or seven nothing. And I think the Blues have shown that at that second game versus Colorado. They were just as lackadaisical against those top two lines, and we all saw how that turned out. I think they, they got blown out. I think eight nothing in that game. So. Uh, for me, that that learning lesson, the learning curve, a huge takeaway from this series, a thing that the Blues can turn to a positive and move forward in a positive way, is uh, in that in the in-game line awareness of who you are out there against, and in making sure that you're taking care of the puck when you need to, because if you're not. Uh, they will make you pay. We all saw it. And one more, Joe, before we take a break, and I want to get into Jordan Bennington in our next segment, but the injuries right now, and this is what a lot of people are talking about because they're starting to pile up, but I don't think the injuries are as bad as people are making them out to be. Look, we've been out without Marco Scandella and Sammy Blay for some time now, but according to the Blues, according to Darren Pang, who made the report on Fox Sports Midwest on Monday's game, Scandella and Blay and Schwartz could have played if need be but I think right now for some of these guys that are injured it's a matter of maintaining the the health of these guys for the long term like making sure that they're healthy and 100% or as close to it when they come back and also maximizing the depth of this team because you got to get players into the game you can't let a Jacob De La Rose sit on the sideline for 40 games and then throw him in when an injury comes up so as much as the injuries stink and being without these players are rough you're also utilizing the opportunity to make sure that the other guys are game ready so that you can have them when need be well, game ready, Alex. And but also keep in mind, I think Craig Brewery is very impressed with how these young other guys have come in because of the injuries. I mean, you look at Tyler Bozak, you know, of course, going down. Sammy Blay then goes down. Well, you bring in yeah. McEachern, you bring in Jacob Delarose, you have Austin Baganski in there for Jaden Schwartz. And so, to your point, as far as rushing these players back, 
coaches only feel like they need to rush players back if they're a and they're in a pinch for points and it's a desperate time or b the depth players they brought in aren't doing the job and i actually think both those situations have worked out in favor of the blues you look at the point one for example i mean the blues are just fl- flirting just below vegas uh vegas of course has got some games in hand but they're close to the top of the division right now so that's number one so you're not in a pinch for points you're not in a desperation mode right now we're in may and we need to claw back into a playoff spot and then number two the players you're bringing in for Schwartz, Bozak, Sammy Blay, right? These players, I think, again, getting back to our point earlier in this segment, I think they've done a phenomenal job as far as playing that simple vanilla blue style of hockey of just making simple plays, making simple chips, playing with speed, having good timing in the neutral zone to set up a good forecheck. And when they're getting there, they're holding on to the puck. They're grinding teams down, and they're allowing that second line to come out there after they've worn down their opponent for 45 to 50 seconds and then kind of going to work. I mean, that, that Ryan O'Reilly goal from McEachern here in St. Louis was a perfect example yeah. of what this third and fourth line has done for the, for the Craig Berube. So I know the injuries are a little bit concerning, but, but I, I do believe what you said is a very positive in, in the fact that we don't aren't looking at any long-term injuries. We didn't mention Robert Thomas, except for Robert Thomas, of course, and Vladimir Tarasenko. Those are the two ones that kind of are maybe a little worrisome down yeah. the road. But you look at Jaden Schwartz. I think if it was a playoff game, he would have played. Sammy Blake, playoff game, he's in. Marco Scandella, again, if it was a playoff game, he was taking warm-ups, he would have been in. I think Craig Berube is looking at this from a very smart, intelligent perspective. That we're not hurting for points. The guys that we're bringing in are doing a good job, and we're keeping them ready, keeping them in-game shape. And, you know, right now it, it's, it seems to be working out pretty well. So it would be interesting to see how this homestand goes because uh, you are at home. The Blues have had a nice little couple-day break here after this Arizona series. So I do expect to see uh, in the next couple games either Jaden Schwartz or at least a Marco Scandella, Sammy Blay at some point back in the lineup. Yeah, I do too. And that will be interesting come Thursday when they take on the San Jose Sharks. He's Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario. When we come back, I want to talk Jordan Bennington with Joe because uh, an interesting thing was brought up by Jamie Rivers on the show Fastlane yesterday. I want to get Joe's thoughts and kind of look into the future with this Blues team. So we'll do that next on This Week in Hockey here on your home for the Blues 101 ESPN. Back in here on a Wednesday night, Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale with you. Hope everyone's still being safe out there. I know the roads are a little bit crazy by the way shout out to all of the uh, snow plows that took place over the last couple of days i don't know about you joe but they saved my bacon a couple of times clearing off these roads to make sure we could get home on time hey i'm telling you what it's getting nasty out there alex yeah it it, it doesn't stop it's not stopping and uh, the kids got another snow day today and uh, they're in heaven and and i'm really getting my money's worth for this ice rink that's right I tell you what, it's uh, I, I nailed down a good couple of weeks to get this thing up, but I tell you what, it's it's so exciting. Alex, you wait. When wait till your your little ones are a little bit older, the, and I think a lot of fathers and moms out there, probably dads more than moms, because dads are just typically more fun than moms. No offense, moms. <laughs> That's good to know. But <laughs> it is so fun. One of the coolest pleasures of being a father is the whole. You know, it's a snow day, but your kids don't know it's a snow day yet. And they come down in the morning and they're like kind of groggy and grumpy and they got to like eat breakfast and get their school supplies ready and morning dad. And you can tell they're like not excited about school, especially after a long break. Like it's been since the president's day weekend, they've been off for like seven days. And then you kind of, they're sitting there and they're like, Hey guys, um, you know, it's kind of snowing outside. I haven't heard from school yet. And then you like pretend there's a phone phone ring coming in. Hold on a second. And you're like, Oh, Dr. Freetag, principal. Oh, yes. Hi. What? School's what? Canceled? And then they freak out. You oh, know my what gosh. I mean? 
it, it is so awesome. And then and then all I do all morning is tease them. Like it's like eight thirty. I'm like, guys, you're not in your uniforms. School started thirty minutes ago. They're like, Dad, we don't have school. Like it is the coolest, most fun thing going back. I don't know if it's just me. I think a lot of dads do it. But uh, it is certainly one of those fun things with snow days that come along with it. Okay, great dad move or jerk dad move? Because I'm just curious on my own end. What if you drive them to the school and then tell them once you're there? Okay, that's just a stupid move. Is it? Because then you got to go through the exhaustion of getting your kids ready in the morning. Okay. You got to rush through breakfast. You got to like have the kids stress out because they can't find their homework or they can't find their math or they can't locate the thermometer so we can all take each other's temperatures. No, Alex, that is Dumb that move. is a bonehead move. Okay. Stay away from that. Okay, that is good to know. See, this is why you and I are good partners in this, Joe, because you've had four, <laughs> you got five on the way, and then, of course, I have number one. I need to learn these things as a dad before we get to the point where I make those dumb bonehead moves. Is your wife, like, she's about ready to pop, right? She I mean, is. She's, so she's basically, the turkey timer is out, basically, in her stomach to where it's it's ready to pop. Now, the, the baby hasn't, quote-unquote, dropped yet. So I think we're still, like, a week out. But, yeah, she is in the uncomfortable stage where she's up every hour on the hour, can't sleep, has to go to the bathroom, can't breathe, really uncomfortable, sick all the time. She is so done with being pregnant, but it's like this 50-50 battle to where she's done with it but she's still so happy to be pregnant and happy for our first baby that it's like she's like in this 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 even keel purgatory of happiness and frustration does she have do you you have the baby bag packed yet the baby bag is packed and everything baby-wise in the house is put together, like the baby okay, crib, the baby room, the baby toys. Frankly, stuff that the baby's not going to use for probably two to three years because she won't be big enough, that's all put together because that's where that's where the nesting mode is right now. The one thing I forgot that I didn't think about, Alex, just a little heads up here, make sure you get nipple cream. I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds for like her, something right? you don't not think- me. Yeah, yeah, no, this is for your wife, okay. not for you. I mean, you, you could certainly I'll use try it. it. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how much it would help you because <laughs> us men, we don't need nipples, obviously, as you That's we true. all learned in my first year in the broadcast. That's booth. very true. But I, I tell you, a nipple cream is something that I didn't think we need right away. I that, like, shaping thing would happen, like, weeks down the road. But don't forget the nipple cream, my man. That that could be a lifesaver for your old lady. Already have three bottles of it in the house <laughs> ready to go. We okay, are, that's a little we are nipple cream stocked up. That's a little heavy on the nipple cream. That's a little heavy on the nipple cream. But you know what? Why not? Figure she said she needed nipple cream. I bought three of them just to be safe. Probably too much. But what can what can you do, right? That's dad mode for you. Um, hey, you're gonna be just fine. Better have too much and not enough. That's true. That's true. Uh Let's talk goaltending, Joe. Uh, there's no transition from nipple cream, so there's we're just going to jump into it. I was trying it. to say there's no transition. Let's just talk goaltending. You know, I, I almost tried the, well, it's better to have more goalies than no goaltenders like nipple cream, but there's no transition. So we'll just say goaltending. Joe, Jordan Binnington right now has been playing outstanding. He's seventh in the National Hockey League in terms of wins. His record is 7-3-2, and two, which is very impressive in itself for how the team has kind of been up and down this season. Is it time to start thinking about re-signing Jordan Bennington? Uh, Jamie Rivers brought this up on the fast lane yesterday, and I couldn't agree more with him. We all know Jordan Bennington is an unrestricted free agent. This was kind of the prove-it year, so to speak, for Jordan to find out if he was going to be the bubble goalie or the cup goaltender. 
and right now he has shown more of the cup goaltender than the bubble goaltender. I, for one, feel like with an unrestricted free agency looming and really uncertainty about Husso, for me, it's time to lock up Jordan Bennington at least for the next three to four years so you know that you have an established number one goaltender. You know, I, I think a part of a part of the old Jordan Bennington situation really came down to what do they feel about Billy Huso? And listen, it's early. So there's no reason to overreact about Billy and how he's been good at moments and maybe a little shaky at moments. It's his first kind of stint in the National Hockey League. You expect the nerves. You expect him to kind of take a little bit of time to get into this thing. But when you look at Billy Huso and you look at him as, you know, not I, I wouldn't call him ready to be the starter just yet. You don't know if that will change as this season continues. So if you're sitting here and just pretend the season's over right now, if you have as much faith as we all do right now in Billy Huso, you're looking at a situation where you have a very good hockey team coming in. Jordan Bennington situation signed, or excuse me, signed through the um, through the free agency where he doesn't become an unrestricted free agent. So to me, that is that's number one. So I think that's a really important thing to consider. The, the second thing is, quite frankly. Jordan Bennington is a top goaltender in this league. They don't come around very often, and when they're out there, uh, usually they were on not they're not on your team. They're on someone else's team, and yeah. you got to respect the contract situations as far as how many years they have with their club that they have. Uh, every now and then, a unrestricted free agent goaltender type like Jordan Bennington will come about, but it's rare. It's rare, like how we see top defensemen, let's say like Alex Petrangelo, hit the open market. Right? It just does not happen very often because typically teams will lock these players up when they still have the rights to them. So for the St. Louis Blues, to me, it would be um, it would be a disaster if, if Jordan Bennington hits the open market and we end up losing him. I believe Doug Armstrong is fully aware of how good this goaltender is, and I am fully confident that these conversations probably have already been happening, yeah. uh, whether it's just the patients on Doug's side or patients on Jordan Bennington and their agency side, whatever it may be. Um, the timing may, may differ. The timing may be flexible on when this gets done. But one thing is for certain, it, it, won't, it won't get done because they're not confident that he's the goaltender that he can be for this franchise. That has already been solidified, right? You win the Cup in 19, you back it up in 20 with a superb of a season. Let's, let's not forget, like, put the bubble aside. Before the bubble, he was superb. The Blues were ahead of the West. Again, he backed up his Stanley Cup performance to a T, all right? Had a little bit of a blimp in the bubble. A lot of players did. Let's not hold it all on Jordan Bennington. That team was not very good. Okay. So how was he going to respond? 98% of his career with the St. Louis Blues, maybe even 99% has been nails. This goaltender is, he's got the wherewithal. He's got the confidence. He's got the skills. He's got the mechanics. He's got his team that's backing him. He likes the city. This goalie is the real deal. That is what's solidified. That to me is what the most important thing is. Now the timing of all this and when he gets re-signed, that just is up to Doug Armstrong and his, and his agency. So to me, uh, this is a goal you have to figure out about how to get locked up sooner rather than later. But again, you still have time. There's no absolute rush to this thing. We still have a lot of time left in the season. Uh, but for Blues fans out there, for any doubters out there, and uh, there's just no doubts anymore. And there's no doubt in Doug Armstrong's mind. And th- this organization is going to try to get this kid signed to a very long-term deal, an intelligent one. Keep in mind, an intelligent one. Yeah. You can't go crazy. And can't be throwing out numbers like the Vasilevsky and the Carey Price numbers, which I don't think Jordan Bennington is quite there yet. But at the same time, you can't be throwing out the, the sevens and eights, I don't think, because that kind of goes against the philosophy of Doug Armstrong. Will it will it be a lot of back and forth as far as negotiating that price? I think so, because that's just Doug's style. But um, as far as the, the goaltender, 
that we think we have here in St. Louis? And is he going to be the guy that can bring you to Stanley Cups year after year? Jordan Bennington, to me, Alex, he's the guy. Yeah, he is the guy. And the benefit for the Blues is that Billy Huso makes $750,000 for the next two years before he comes an unrestricted free agent. So basically, you have two more, one more year after this year where he's making the minimum, which gives you the opportunity and luxury to lock up Jordan Bennington and not have to pay two goaltenders eight to $10 million that a lot of goaltenders are getting paid right now in the National Hockey League. And the reason I bring that up, Joe, is one, because you do have to lock up your goaltender, but two, they have a very interesting cap situation. As we all know, Jaden Schwartz, Mike Hoffman are unrestricted free agents after this season. You have Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas who are restricted free agents along with Ivan Barbashev and Vince Dunn. And then, of course, you got Jordan Bennington. You have the looming option of Colton Pareko that's going to have to get re-signed in a couple of years. When you look five years down the road, Joe, and I know this is more speculation and looking ahead, do you see a major shift in this roster because of the finances and us knowing that the salary cap is going to lay still for the next couple of years? Or do you think that this is going to be an opportunity for Doug Armstrong to really sh- prove why he's one of the best president of hockey operations in the National Hockey League to navigate through all of this finances and find a way to lock these guys up long term? You know, we're, we're so much at the mercy. We're so much at the mercy of the cap and what's going to happen yeah. with the finances of this league first and foremost. But I think players are going to have to adjust and, and don't forget uh, Ryan O'Reilly is another player. If you're talking, yeah. if you're talking five years down the road, Alex, I mean, you don't have Ryan O'Reilly for five more years unless you get him to an extension. So that to me is going to be another one. Now he's going to be a little bit older. So it's going to tie you up financially as much as you think, or at least for uh, the term isn't going to be quite as long. Um, a lot's going to, a lot is just going to depend on, I think of what they do with Jordan Bennington and how they get him signed. And, and the good news for me is, you know, if you, if you talk that like six to seven range, and then you have a backup that's making around one or two, which Billy could over the next four to five years, if he's that guy as a backup position, there is a, there's a model that, I mean, Dave Alexander talked to me about once the goaltender coach here for St. Louis, the best, the best goaltender situations that they've looked at it over the last four to five years, they've all kind of been around that combined $8 million range. Uh, so to give you an example, like, so what, what Montreal has in, 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 uh, in Jake Allen yeah. and Carey Price, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot, right? I think it's between like 14 million between those two guys. Um, Tampa Bay for a while, there, I think had like 12 or 13 locked up between their two goaltenders. Uh, Vegas. You, know, yeah. you look at Leonard and Mark Andre Fleury way above, uh, but the success of a team, of a team now, the, the most successful teams are going to be hanging around that eight million dollar mark. Which, again, if you look at uh, Biddington as a six to seven million dollar year guy, and then you have a Billy Huso type, and you bring up the good point of him making the league minimum for the next couple of years, so that really does help. I, th- I think financially that is going to set them up and set Doug, set Doug, excuse, Doug, excuse me, up for what could be. Um, a good platform of getting good forwards. I mean, Jaden Schwartz is kind of hanging around there. Uh, there's some big names coming up. Colton Pareko is going to be getting his payday very soon. Uh, while Ryan O'Reilly, and, and, and he's a player that maybe not get quite the payday or the term, but he's someone you're going to want around, a camp captain of this franchise, someone you certainly got to keep an eye on. David Perron, his game is not slowing down. I don't know. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane to think that I was one of the, the doubters when they brought him back and the deal they brought him back for, I was like, wow, that is maybe a little bit over, overpayment. But now you look at him as a player that's underpaid. Yeah. And again, with Ryan O'Reilly, he is just not slowing down. And with him coming up here the next two years, he's another player you really have to consider. So it's, um, 
it's a it's an interesting thing. I'm really glad I'm not in the analytics or the finances behind it all. But the good news is for Blues fans, I do believe Doug will find a way to make it all work. And the good news is we don't have to worry about that because we would be terrible at that. That's why Doug Armstrong gets paid the big bucks. Am I right? We're just good at providing nipple cream to the hospital for our wives. That's I am it. very good do. at that. Three bottles worth, Joe. Three bottles worth. You have to be overprepared when it comes to nipple cream, so I am told. He's Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario. We'll take a break and come back and hear from David Perron. He was on the morning show earlier today. Really interesting conversation about where this Blues team is at right now. So stick around. We'll come back with David Perron next here on This Week in Hockey on 101 ESPN. Back in here on this weekend, hockey, Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale, Blues off tonight. Be back at it tomorrow as they begin a homestand against the San Jose Sharks game Thursday night, 7 o'clock puck drop, 6 o'clock pregame show. Then on Saturday, as the schedule has changed, it will now be a 6 o'clock puck drop from Enterprise Center for the Blues and Sharks, a 5 o'clock pregame show here on 101 ESPN. And in that game, we'll see David Perron. Joe, we mentioned it going into the break. The uh, DP57 now has a weekly hit with our morning show here on 101 ESPN. And then, of course, Craig Berube has a weekly hit on the fast lane on 101 ESPN. But wanted to bring you the conversation that DP had with Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman, because not only you get to see the fun side of David Perron, which we all know and love here in St. Louis, but also talking about these hockey games these last couple of nights. So let's take a listen. David Perron with Carricker and Smallman. Before we had you on, we were trying to think of a name for this segment because you're going to be joining us weekly, and it, we're really excited about it. So we wanted to give it a name, and we were Googling you and Googling nicknames that you have. And one of the nicknames for you that we found was French Toast. Can you confirm or deny that that is, in fact, a nickname for you? <laughs> uh, I got I got too many of them. So <laughs> I guess I guess that works because it'd be in the morning. So uh, I guess we can run with that one. How'd you get that nickname? Uh, I, I I honestly don't remember. Remember, I think it's Bartuzo or Pat Maroon, that one out of two. Just uh, came up with I don't know, probably chirping uh, some chirping session. I was probably going back and forth with them, and that came out. And that one stuck somehow. So uh, that's how it goes in the locker room a lot of times. With all those nicknames, do you have a favorite? Uh, I mean, it, it just depends. Like it. Every single one's probably coming from a story. Just that one in particular, I I don't really uh, remember uh, how it came out. Uh, probably something obviously about being French, and uh, I I usually take it pretty well. And I uh, I actually kind of add add some layers to it myself. Uh, so uh, there's there's different ways about it. I, I don't mind that one at all. David, who has the best nickname on the team? Uh, I mean, it's tough to beat the one with factor there. Uh, just obviously, uh, I know he's had that for, for many years, but, uh, he's obviously been a, an extremely important factor every single night in, in blues wins. And, uh, and obviously winning the cup a couple of years ago, winning counts might, all that stuff. And it's funny cause that guy just worries about his own game and doesn't really go out there to chirp anyone or ever anything. And, uh, and uh, he's, he's always when every once in a while when he gets turned back at him, he's like, I, I didn't know what to say there. I'm like, well, not that hard. You got to contemplate it. Like, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, that'd be the first thing coming out of my mouth when I didn't know what to say. So, uh, but yeah, he's he's got a great nickname. 
David Perron with us on 101 ESPN. David, I remember watching you when you were 18, 19 years old. You were a rookie, and at the end of practice, you would stick around and you would stick handle. Uh, have you been able to maintain that? And I don't get—we don't get out to practice now because you, we have yeah. uh, the pandemic going on. But do you still like to do that stuff that you did when you were just a kid? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the obviously the scariest part when, uh, as you get older, you're, it's almost like uh, you don't want it to be, to, to be uh, ever over. Uh, and I'm talking about my career. And uh, you you just keep pushing, keep working as hard as you can to extend it to make it as long as possible. And, um, yeah, having a guy like O'Reilly, to be honest with you, has, has really uh, given me a boost that way. Uh, we spent a lot of time uh, on the ice together, uh, even before the season in November, December, when he came back down. Um, we, we, we put in hours uh, after practice just trying to get better, trying to uh, increase even, like, our chemistry little details that, that we've got already. And uh, he's doing that with every single young guy that wants to be taken part of the defense obviously in a year there's injuries different things like that you don't want to be staying on the ice forever but he seems to be a guy that uh, he's always got something to work on and uh, it's great to have on our team there's been a lot of veteran presence in in the locker room and even with Alex Petrangelo leaving you knew that there that there was going to be voices that still remained in that locker room that were there when you guys won the Stanley Cup but how has Ryan O'Reilly been as the captain so far have you seen any adjustments in his leadership I think he's been the same. Like the, even the last couple of years since he's been here, he's always been a guy that we knew was one of our uh, top leaders. And obviously, right now we're also missing Vlad. He's not uh, been around as much, also with the type of injury that he's got. And uh, he's just coming back, kind of the whole fleet's back here in the next uh, little while. We don't know exactly, but uh, just to have him back will be nice. A big, big boost for our team. I think the other thing that people don't talk about with Ryan is he. We just didn't lose Petrangelo. We lost Steen. We lost Bomeister, and uh, that's a that big void. Uh, so it's not just him that's gonna have to do more. It's just guys around him. We have to support him as much as uh, as we can. And I thought he's done a great job so far. It's amazing how. We as fans, we we don't have long memories, and there's so little experience with guys like Mikola and Sammy Blay and, and Sanford. I mean, you, you had years and years of experience with those guys that did little things to help you win games that we don't see. But I know you as a veteran, you talk about trying to help the kids, and those are just the little things that go into winning hockey games, aren't they? It goes into the team culture. It goes into uh, just knowing how this organization is doing things. And uh, and obviously, we were doing those things for many years. And uh, it would, it's, sometimes it was tough some years where you don't find the success and you wonder, like, deep down, are we doing it the right way? Like, are we really? And um, and obviously, we were. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's great when it comes to uh, at the end of the day, you win the cup and uh, it just reinforces that uh, we got to keep doing those things and keep keep bringing young guys along. And as um, as the league, as the world is changing, as everything is even more and more inclusive, obviously, and I think it's turning out to be a, a really a big positive. I think I was always, uh, even as a young guy, I think the older guys were pretty inclusive with me and with everyone. But I just think it's there's another level to it. Um, young guys in a way, are more sensitive and they want to have more answers than, than maybe we were given in, in our age. And I was looking for those answers, but <laughs> in my days, you just weren't giving them to, to you. So it's just the way it was. Um, but I, I, just, I just like the way it is now, and uh, I just think it's going to help our team culture.
I'm hearing you answer that like you did, and I'm wondering if maybe it was Pittsburgh that you thought, where was it? What team was it? What culture was it that you realized, hey, this is the the way to do it, to be really inclusive with the kids and build a unit? Yeah, I mean, I I think it it was here. I think it's just as the world is changing, too. It's not – I think everything's gone through that where uh, it was an older – group of guys of generation and i'm just not talking i'm talking as a whole in the league even in juniors uh the way young guys were treated rookies and the way they are now it's it's much different than when i went through it and it's great to hear like i hear the stories from the robert thomas jordan Cairo, those guys the way they came up in junior and how i came up and it blows my mind a little bit but it's great i'm, I'm happy to hear that um and uh, yeah like I think for me that the team that um, also, yes, there's Pittsburgh obviously, every experience will help. Uh, also going to Anaheim playing with Ryan Getzlaff, I mentioned this before, but he's one of the guys that really uh, put a lot of confidence in myself just playing with him. And it, it was very similar, uh, him and I, I felt on the ice, the way I feel when I'm in, with uh, O'Reilly on the ice, trying to slow the game down a little bit, making plays, finding each other at in the right Spots, always being in, in good position on both sides of the puck. Um, I mean, it's made a difference, I think, in my career for sure. And I'm trying to run with it and, and keep running with it. David, I want to ask you about Ivan Barbashev. You mentioned that line with you and Ryan O'Reilly. And Ivan Barbashev has looked really strong lately. Can you tell us what you're seeing out of him? Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's, it goes back to... Um, to, to junior a little bit, my answer again, where most guys, when we come up, we're, we're pretty good offensively. Um, and obviously when he's come become a pro, he has more a third, fourth line player. And uh, when a guy like that has a chance to put in the top, it's very exciting for him. He wants to do well. And I think what's good with is we, we just want to play simple. We just want to make the little things happen. And the, the plays after that, the goals are going to happen. We don't worry about scoring the goals before they're scored. So, um, I think it's it's he's done a good job with us. He's really uh, been really good on the four check, and uh, that's what we're expecting of him. Hey, David, before we let you go, yesterday a day off and all the snow here in St. Louis, getting out and about is a hassle. Practice today, and you'll ha- you'll have the afternoon in the, in the evening off. So, what does David Perron like to do when he's not involved with something that's going on with hockey? When you're just home and it's snowy and you're you're in your house? Yeah, I mean, having fun with the kids. Obviously, it's. Uh, there's not much snow here. I'm used to that growing up, and uh, they're always pretty excited uh, when there is some on the ground. There is some more today. Uh, seems like there's some some issues with traffic right now on, on Highway 40, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, I think when I'm home, it's just being with the kids, trying to to uh, have them enjoy their life as much as they can. And uh, I mean, it, the days are going by fast because a lot of days I'm at the rink or I'm, I just came from the road. Um, we have a game tomorrow, so um, and they're at, they're just starting school. So um, when when I'm able to be around, it's it's all about them pretty much. Once again, that's Perry David Perron with Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman. We'll take our final break and come back. We got what's up with that, Joe? I impressed you last week with some stats. Let's see if I can get you to laugh a couple of times because we got some good ones. It's what's up with that, and it comes next here on this week in hockey on 101 ESPN. Final time here tonight on this week in hockey. Hope you enjoyed that interview with uh, with. David Perron from The Morning Show. He is going to be a weekly guest with The Morning Show moving forward. 
And then, of course, Craig Berube is a weekly guest on the afternoon show. So a lot of fun things along the way for the rest of this season here on 101 ESPN. Joe, I impressed you with a stat last week, so I figured why not see if we can go two for two and hit another this week in hockey. Now, I don't have any impressive stats, but I got some pretty fun storylines for you. You ready to rock? Let's hit it, baby. Okay, now, first off, Vegas Golden Knights. Now, I don't know if you have seen their um, their impressive helmets, I guess I should say, but I don't like them. I don't know about you. What the hell is up with these chrome helmets that Vegas is wearing right now? It looks like the background to the weekend at the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, they're, they're a little distracting. I'm surprised that there hasn't been any uh... – any opponents that they've played that have maybe complained to the league, they seem like they glare off the lights. Right? Am I crazy? No, yeah, maybe, it seems it's like just, you're blinding it was, them. It, yeah, it seems like blinding lights. It's a game of these guys, and and I'm surprised that these opponents have not really complained to the league. But at least on TV, the lights are blaring off. I, you know, I just miss the traditional gold. I miss the the Rudy Rudigers. You know, getting carried Rudy off the Rudigers. field in Notre Dame. I miss that just solid, just kind of. Um, What's the matted goal? I guess it's called matte, matte goal. Like, why don't we just go yeah. back to that? I think that's a pretty good one. Now, look, there have been a lot of a lot of um, ugly moments. I guess that's the best way for me to say it when it comes to certain items in the NHL this season, whether it be jerseys, whether it be reverse retros. But did you see the Arizona Coyotes throwing some shade at the Blues the other day? I did on Valentine's Day. They said they got to depart ways, and it's okay because those ugly retro Reds. Which I fired back on the PNC pregame report with Ashley Vice when I saw that. I'm like, you know what? These guys got a lot of nerve. That's what I'm saying. They had those disgusting Jack Nicholson Joker from Batman <laughs> purple jerseys with the stupid desert on the bottom. And listen, I was a coyote, but I, I was embarrassed of those things. And <laughs> man, did the Blues ever respond to that? They never responded to it, which was surprising. Ooh. Maybe because the Blues knew that, you know, we're not going to dive into this. We already know that the, uh, the, the purple jerseys were uglier here. But frankly, I was amazed because, I, I mean, they, they're, they're taking shots at a reverse retro, which, look, we, we can all agree, a lot of people aren't fans of the reverse retro. I, for one, love those red jerseys. But you can't make an argument when you're wearing a Grimace T-shirt on the ice. Am I right? Oh man, it was it was embarrassing. And then and I just I hate their logo at Center Ice too. Curbs and I were talking about one of the broadcasts, but a lot of players don't like it because it's such a dark purple yes. and all those darks. You actually like lose the puck for a little second when when you're playing in the game. I think fans can kind of lose the puck a little yeah. bit, and players hate it because passes through the neutral zone. Uh, well, the puck will actually get lost in kind of that dark purple so uh arizona man you know what i'm thinking i'm thinking they're just trying to get some attention they're probably looking for some fans and probably looking for a little love and a little social attention yeah. and you know what good for the blues by just being the bigger person yeah. and walking away or i guess bigger accounts not really a person. it's well it's yeah i guess you're right there multiple people but yeah be the bigger be, be the bigger team and walk away from it rather than just uh take more shots that's online bullying and the blues don't stand for that like the arizona coyotes do uh, a couple of other ones for you joe i don't know if you saw the outcome of the Buffalo Sabres New York Islanders game the other night. It was a three nothing final score for the Islanders. Basically, Buffalo had nothing to offer. But I loved the response from a fan because you know a lot of stadiums right now are using those fan cutouts. Somebody responded and said, "I paid for my mom to have a fan cutout at the stadium. Can I come back and take her out because she doesn't need to watch the outcome of this game?" <laughs> <laughs> How oh incredible was that? 
That is beautiful. These cardboard cutouts, we've had some fun with them. I think it was uh, about maybe six or seven games ago. I think we were getting blown out at home. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was uh, maybe it was the LA game where we're not blown out, but we were losing bad in that second game. Yeah, it was like six to three or something like that. Yeah, something like that. We came back from break in the third, and 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 Chris Kerber's like. Well, six to three, you know, down to the LA Kings or whatever it was. But I tell you, Joe, you really got to appreciate these fans here in St. Louis. Six to three, it's late. It's a late night, and we don't have one. We don't have one cardboard fan that's left the building. And I just started dying online. And and you know what? You say what you want. I was not a big believer about these cardboard cutouts. I know they're raising good money for the teams and for these cities, which first and foremost, that's the most important. But as far as like them being in the crowd, I'm like, that's so weird. Yeah. And I wasn't sure about it in the NBA when they did it. But now that the Blues and a lot of teams around the league, they're actually mixing real fans in with the fake fans and the cardboard fans. And I'm telling you what, it makes the game more exciting. I feel more excited than calling the game. I know the players have to talk to them. They kind of just kind of get lost because it's always like peripheral vision fans for them. So they right. kind of get lost in the shuffle of it all. So it really actually kind of helps them too. So I tell you what, the league and the Blues and all these teams have done a terrific job, and, and I think they've had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, no question. All right, one more for you, Joe. Uh, Ryan Reeves wins the internet, in my opinion. So the other day, uh, an account called Chip Tamlin uh, sent a tweet to Ryan Reeves, and it was a cameo tweet basically saying, you know, hey, I'd love you to give a shout-out to Tom Wilson and tell him how great of a player he is, how great of a fighter he is, how great of a dresser he is. And again, this was a Twitter account called Chip Tamlin, Washington Capitals picture on it. Ryan Reeves responded with a cameo. Take a listen. Now look, I know this says for Tom, and I read your little thing, Chip Tamlin, but this sounded awfully suspicious to me. So I looked you up. You're a big Capitals fan. I wonder who this Tom could be. Listen, if you're going to try and run with the best, you got to do better than that. No, I'm not going to tell Tom he's a good player. You know, he is a good player. I'll tell him that. But no, I'm not going to tell him he's a good fighter. I don't know how he dresses. I don't keep up on his dress code. Don't try and play me, Chip Tamplin. Your life revolves around the Capitals. I know how to do my research, too. <laughs> Ryan Reeves just throwing so much flames. And if you look into it, this was totally a made-up account, Joe, which I'm assuming Unreal. is one of the Capitals players trying to get Reeves to send a compliment to him. Unreal. And his name's <laughs> Chip. Like, the only time I think a guy named Chip is from the, the movie Cable Guy with yes. Jim Carrey. His name was Chip Douglas. Like, you know it's a fake account. Like, why why go down that road? Um Oh, man, I, I love this rivalry. I love what Ryan has done. I do, too. Um, adding to the flair. I mean, listen, I, I understand that hockey players are traditionally quieter, reserved. They don't like to say much. It's kind of part of the – it's just part of the – I think the code of conduct in some way is kind of old school. But every now and then you get a player with such a great personality. And I wish more players would follow along with that because it really does add so much flavor to the game. I love what him and Tom Wilson have done. Tom Wilson's a really good – follow on instagram yep uh he him he's dating a girl who maybe they're engaged she was like a, a former canadian beach volleyball player yeah that's and right she and she's like brilliant apparently she goes to georgetown she's like great at the piano she's great at volleyball so a lot of their a lot of their stuff is is him trying to keep up with like playing the piano with her or like they're like peppering the volleyball in the backyard uh it's some very cool videos and 
super athlete for for Tom to keep up with some of the viable stuff she does. And then the piano, he's a little bit he's a little bit soft on the piano, but he kind of freaks out at the piano, and you can see like his inner anger coming out. When he's trying <laughs> to do like the most subtle things, and it's a pretty cool pretty cool follow. But yeah, the Reaver and the Reaver and Wilson thing, it's been fun to watch, been fun to see, and, and to me, Alex. Two guys, if I was still in the league, I would veer very far away from. Yes, without question, but two guys that make the game so much more fun. Joe, uh, it was a lot of fun today, buddy. Thank you so much for hopping on and continuing this week in hockey. Enjoy the rest of the evening, and we'll talk tomorrow, Blues and Sharks. Can't wait, Alex. Looking forward to calling some other teams. I might actually actually do some some work uh, tonight and tomorrow, actually preparing and getting my lineups and everything ready i really have been using the same lineup for the past two and a half weeks it's been a pretty easy job for me but i'm looking forward to it well as long as we don't have to say the name connor garland anymore i'm happy am i right yeah but i'm gonna try to fit in nipple cream into the broadcast <laughs> tomorrow i can't wait to hear that in curves his response he's joe vitalium alex ferrario have a great rest of the night we'll talk to you tomorrow for blues hockey here on 101 espm